This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. It's about an overall campaign. It's about an overall piece of engagement. And it's a key driver for us. It's a key way of engaging because it allows us to understand the customer. That's the voice of Cole Kennedy. He's the general manager of brand and customer experience at Country Road, which is a premium fashion and apparel retailer. I'm Adam Jaffrey. And I'm Michael Momsen. So, Michael, Cole has a wealth of experience working at brands like Disney, Target and Cotton On. And today we're speaking to him about two big topics. The first one is how to rethink your loyalty program to drive better relationships with customers. Spoiler alert, it's not about the sales. And secondly, we ask what it takes to manage a brand which has thousands of employees across the country and still deliver consistent experiences. We started out asking Cole to describe a personal experience which recently delighted him. I had an amazing experience at a hotel in Sri Lanka uh, called uh, the Heritage Candelama. And I think it ties also into the culturalness of that country as well about how amazing the people are and how they are all about you. What experience are you having and how do we make that better for you? I've been to some nice hotels in my time, but this was just to a different level of not in that horrible sort of elitist way that you get sometimes with airlines when you're going through the different tiers and lounges. This was just genuine, <laughs> lovely people, lovely experience and knowing how to really just think about what you're after and providing you what you need. They really asked a lot of questions prior to arrival, which is one of the new things in that I don't know if you've noticed in the hotel world now. They're often asking you a lot of questions before you even get there down what to what pillars you want. Um, so that tailoring of experiences, thinking about how they enhance that experience feedback afterwards is really key now in terms of driving their word of mouth it's much more important Mm. than them doing a lot of big media spend like they might have done in the past i love how as a retailer you say that the best experience is not necessarily comparing against other retailers but um it reminds me that i think there was the ex cmo at mercedes who said you know our benchmark now is customers last best experience not best experience necessarily in automotive so that's great let's talk about loyalty programs Flybys, one of Australia's probably most iconic um, loyalty programs, has 5.7 million active Australian households. Now, Country Road tracks 83% of sales from your 2.1 million customers on your loyalty program. How important is a loyalty program to the work that you do at Country Road? Our loyalty program is very important. People fall in love with brands and what the loyalty program allows us to do is understand the people behind that. Even within the loyalty program, we've got different tierings of people who are more loyal um, in terms of who are much more engaged with us and and others who come at different times of the year. So for me, it's much more about understanding the the customer and who's coming through the door. I've never had it to this level before, which was really exciting when I arrived. We had lots of data and how you turn that into insights and allow you to deliver what the customer's after that's what excites me about a loyalty program it's it's how you understand the customer and start to weave um and what they want from whether it's um, the experience the product how they want to interact with you um, recognition etc so it's more about what it enables you and that relationship between a customer and the brand for me that's the most important thing yeah i mean like i've worked on a number of brands in the past that have got loyalty programs and you know historically brands are busy and don't do a very good job of using all the amazing data that that they're collecting 
is there an example or, or a kind of a, a bit of a story you can tell us about how having access to that data and that information has led to a more fulfilling experience that a customer has had? Absolutely. Um, you know, we look at on, a, on all sorts of levels in terms of what we're learning about what the customer does. And when you work in fashion apparel, we're about creating desire. Um, it's very different to other sectors. Grocery would be one example where there's a necessity to it. You have to go in however frequently. Some people it's a couple of times a week, weekly, uh, et cetera, where you need to actually go in. For us, what it enables us to understand is our customer much better and therefore uh, engage them in different ways so that we can help them build a wardrobe, build a look. You know, they may purchase one thing and we can then reinforce that and say, hey, you got that, you know, this jacket goes with those pants or and how do we help that customer experience from that point of view? It enables us to communicate with them and build a relationship with them. So we actually have events for our VIPs. And what I love about that is it takes it a little bit analog. Um, there's a hell of a lot about buzz around digital and there always will be in, as it builds. We're still human beings and there's an analog component to this and the relationship with the brand. And so inviting them along and being able to do that, identify them and get them into the store, open it later for them, get their feedback, show them the new collection is really powerful for us. We're constantly striving about how do we use this better? How do we engage um, our customer base and help us understand trajectory and where we're going as a brand as well? The complexities of building something like that that feels ultra personal actually takes a lot of effort. I'd love to hear how you guys actually you know, the mechanics behind the scenes of how you actually pull that off. So it starts with a design team, the vision. Um, we're then going through styling sessions of how we build those looks, how we create those assets, how we shoot it, build the overall story for the customer. We've segmented our customer base. Some of them are more proactive and forward thinking of their own style and some of them look for us to help guide them a little bit. When we talk about customer journeys and loyalty programs and segmentation and those kinds of things, it's quite common to, I guess, kind of get caught up in in, in the process, you know, like the, you know, mapping a customer journey and, and almost like setting up if this, then that. If, if customer does X, then send them Y communications or if they meet these conditions, then they get this kind of stream of emails or, or whatever, right? The last couple of minutes, you've been talking a lot about how to connect with customers and personalize that communication. How do you personalize something that is so robotic and structured in itself? Right now for us, we're not into anything uh, from an AI point of view. So there's not some sort of system creating this data and learning outside of that. So right now for us, it's very product uh, related through to then to that customer and what they're doing um, is how we're doing it right now. I've seen some research that says loyalty programs don't necessarily drive loyalty, but it is the overall experience with the brand. So regardless of a loyalty program or not, but then I'm sure that you have some clear data that says when we launch this campaign or when we do this, we do get an uptick. Just loyalty campaigns in general, do they drive loyalty? Um, and in which case, in which scenarios do you see that working well? And in which scenarios have you seen loyalty programs for the sake of loyalty is just getting a sale that you would have got from that person anyway and all you've done is give them a discount because they were in a program for something that they were going to buy already. It's the same as the, some of the questions around digital and people thinking there's some sort of magic fix that, you know, if I buy X from a Y supplier, that's going to solve all my problems. The loyalty program is an enabler to develop a relationship and we don't just do a loyalty program. It's about an overall campaign. It's about a whole overall piece of engagement. And it's a key driver for us. It's a key way of engaging because it allows us to understand the customer. How do we excite them? How do we um, look at creative? How do we build the overall uh, campaign? It isn't just 
uh, loyalty-led. It's the whole brand experience that we're going after. I love how you don't think of loyalty in isolation, but it's part of the overall piece. Absolutely. Internally, that means bringing in probably quite disparate teams, whether it's product team, design, marketing, sales inputs, or what have you. Can you tell us a little, you know, a story that comes to mind or some examples that come to mind where you've had to orchestrate that internally to make sure that you're delivering on that promise, which isn't pushing a loyalty program initiative or pushing a marketing initiative or pushing, you know, a particular initiative, but it is bringing all of this together? If I look back at what we did for Mother's Day, there's other ones that we can use, but, you know, something that's a macro moment of mindshare that's happening in the psyche out there that everyone at some point in the run-up to that day is thinking about how they're going to celebrate and thank their mum. What we wanted to do was, what's the country road point of view? It comes back from the brand's purpose. Why should anyone care about us as a brand and then lead into our product? So we'd seen a presentation um, about you know, all women are mothers and but do amazing stuff and play motherly roles. So from that one insight, we, let, we developed a, a thought and a campaign around, let's celebrate all women. Whether they're a mother or not, let's celebrate all women because everyone plays a motherly role, whether they've had direct kids or not. We've got a very powerful platform called Live With Us that's been working really well. It's a blog that we've started to take offline and do different things. It's a great way that we express the purpose of who we are and why this, why, why Country Road is an iconic Australian brand. So we built a moment around what does Mother's Day mean for Country Road and therefore why should the customer walking down a Chadston or a High Street um, recognize and relate to us? And then the, the teams have done some amazing, beautiful product that sat with this, both from what the guys wore and then some of the ways you could say thank you. It was the overall campaign and also then we had you know visual merchandise how does that look in store what's the windows display how does that then translate to make sure that what's on our table of that gifting option and how we say thank you is exactly the same online and that was one of the things i've come into country road to help do is make that journey seamless and bring all these skill sets together that you're right sometimes want to sort of just focus on their skill whereas actually today's world we all need to focus on the customer and then apply your skill set rather than Mm. your skill set first sometimes All right, so we're going to um, jump into a quick fire round. The, the kind of rules here are 10 seconds. Okay. All right, so it's really kind of first thing that comes to mind off the top of your head. So, quick fire round, question number one. Uh, favorite hobby outside of work? Movies, reading, uh, and then getting out and just meeting up with friends and catching up. And I do love a, a pint or two. That's a nice lead into my next question. What is your guilty pleasure? Oh, definitely. A pint at the Cherry Tree, um, just up the road. Uh, having worked in North Geelong for a while where you had to drive there for 50 minutes, it's refreshing to be in such a cool location like Richmond where there's pubs on every street corner. And if it's been one of those tough days, just to let it wash over you with a pint, is uh, that's my guilty pleasure. Uh, which brand do you look up to the most? Disney, probably the most from a development point of view. They are just amazing. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with all that extra time? Or do more exercise. Uh, That's another thing I seem Mm. to get uh, worse at as I get older. Catch up and keep on top of daft things like emails, especially personal emails. I don't know what you guys are like, but my Gmail account seems to get away with itself quite often. You might be one Mm. of those people with like 100,000 unread emails. (laughs) (laughs) What's the most amazing adventure you've ever been on? I was lucky enough to go around the world after university. Changed me quite a lot. You're still quite sheltered and then suddenly you go and just see so many different experiences in just over a year in different cultures and probably matured me and just opened my eyes to the world. And what time in your life do you think you learned the most about yourself? 
I'd actually say the last few years at Cotton On, and we had an amazing person, Pippa Grange, who looked after us from a people and cultural point of view and development. And she did this amazing uh, piece of work with me where she shadowed me for a week. Every meeting, the only time we separated, we, did, we had lunch together, breakfast together. The only time we separated was when I went to the bathroom. And she sort of gave you, in the, the way it worked was she asked if you wanted live feedback or feedback after the meeting. And uh, I mm. opted for the live feedback. And it, some of it was brutal about, you know, your leadership style and what you need, what you did right there and what you needed to consider or the question you need to ask. But in terms of intensiveness, that was probably one of the most enlightening weeks of my life. Wow, fascinating. All right. That was really good. It's good to get to know the man behind the accent a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Let's kind of shift our focus a little bit and talk about working for a company that has such a huge retail presence. Now, I know that you just look after Country Road, but the Country Road group itself has a number of different kind of sub-brands. You've got Trenary, you've got Mimco, Politics and Witchery. And of course, Country Road, five and a half thousand employees across the entire country with each of those brands. How do you ensure consistency of, you know, you have a brand promise you talked about before. How do you ensure consistency of a brand promise when you have such a huge footprint and also so many soldiers on the ground that have different things going on in their lives and that kind of thing? One thing that when I arrived was I was focused on bringing a number of different areas of the team together and create a team that was around brand and customer experience working with our peer teams um, in retail, in uh, the design team, in the merchandising team and get in as around a uh, collective vision of what that needs to look like. And particularly as we got sort of where we wanted to be from a, uh, an online and a communication and conversation point with the customer, how that turned up in store. And often I find with a lot of retailers is the, the team member in store when you talk about those thousands of people who are actually the biggest representation of your brand they often sometimes can be the last to know. Um, and we were in that sort of situation where, you know, customers would be walking in going, I've seen this amazing dress on Instagram, you know, where is it? And they, they, they've not even seen it before or they've seen some great PR. And what was beautiful was that actually this brand's been there, done most of the stuff you've seen us do. We go back to our heritage. It's almost like we go backwards to go forwards a little bit on some stuff. But we actually had an internal uh, way of engaging back in the 90s called Roadworks, a bit of a play on uh, words there. But it was an internal piece of comms around what's happening and educating everyone. The retail team had asked us, you know, how do we how do we help educate the team? How do we help? So we've instilled that on a weekly basis so that the retail teams can get to know what's happening next week before the customer does so that they're well informed working with the retail team on, you know, in our bigger stores, how do we do a concierge at the um, front of the store? And so that someone who can point them in, a, a, in the right direction and ask the question and greet them and say, hey, do you need this? We're very much about how do we make sure them as the focal first point of contact from you know, 80% of our sales are well-informed and can deliver a beautiful brand experience. And we're still striving. We've got a long way to go in this space. Um, But that starting there and then working into all the other uh, things that we do takes a lot of collaboration and working together, even, even when it's outside of your team, and then working in then back with the design team, the merchandise team. And we're, we're, still striving towards and we'll never get there because I don't think you ever do. Just to go back to the previous point that you mentioned around ensuring the consistency of execution and ensuring the 5,000 plus people understand these elements that you talk about as well as campaign specifics. Talk us through the practicalities of what you found you know, works well and any examples that, that sort of come to mind, just how do you ensure that everyone's on the same page? The way I always look at it is 
PRs are got a great way of delivering editorially to um, editors and publications out there. They've got to deliver the sound bites and they've, they've, they've got the skill set to deliver a message in a very succinct way. If you think about our retail teams, have got to think about so many different things so that our PR team actually own that comms piece internally about what are we doing, what what's next week look like, what happens further on from that in a very engaging way. It's in a newsletter format. We're very lucky we've got some direct emailable comms that we can send to stores. I know different retailers, some retailers don't have that option. So we've got the way of engaging, really bite-sized and get them up to speed in an interactive and enjoyable way. We've made significant progress. We're nowhere near where we want to be and make it better. We, you know, there's annual conferences. We have the regionals come in. There's a number of other things that the retail team do that allow us to engage teams. And then really it's also getting out to stores, which is always a challenge in, in retail. These days it seems to get harder and harder to actually get out to store, meet the teams, talk to them, engage, and, and most importantly, listen. You know, every Monday morning we're in store to listen to what's happened last week just to hear the feedback and that's the cross all functions of the business pretty much are in there listening to the teams and what's happening because you know there's some big retailers global retailers out there that have got a very good model of how they listen and engage in this space it's very important i bet the stores in your head office love that <laughs> you guys are in there regularly <laughs> do i understand that your pr team takes charge of the internal comms and they're the ones that are then, I suppose, the experts of delivering those kind of bite-sized, memorable bits of comms that you need to know. It's really important to, as I've said all along, how you engage them and get them excited. And we've scratched the surface. We've done a great job, but we really want to build on that. We're only custodians of the brand. The customer owns it, and we move that brand and make it relevant, but we don't own it. Someone else will take it on from us, especially a brand like Country Road. It's got such heritage and it's such iconic. So how do we do the right thing for like, the brand right now? So you, we can go from very much what's happening tomorrow or even what's happening live in sales. There is the, that's a retail component you um, took me a while to get used to as a non-retailer six years ago, all the way through to where do we want to be in three years and how are we moving the brand in that direction and making sure everything generally is moving that way and making sure the threads applying through the whole team and then broader beyond our own team. We're the custodians of the brand, the customers actually own it. Absolutely. Explain what that means. It means that we represent and can play up to what the brand might mean today in the next few years. But actually, there's customers out there that have been buying this brand for 40 odd years and have a very important um, point of view that we have to listen to. Yes, we have to keep moving it on. No brand wants to uh, just stop it. Every brand needs to, is alive and moving. But, and therefore our job is to do, bring that experience, listen to the customer and, and continue to evolve, evolve the brand onwards. But we, we aren't the, we aren't the brand. The customer's the brand. We're just playing back about where the brand want, needs to go to its values and to its purpose. You spoke before about um, looking up to Disney as, you know, delivering incredible customer experiences. What are they doing that brands like Country Road can learn from? Disney really know their brand purpose. It's about the customer, about the kids and big kids and the experience and the magic that they deliver on that. They're just very single-minded around that. They're an amazing commercial machine, but actually the main focus is around their customer, their experience, the entertainment, the content, um, and they've got a, they've got great strategies. They know that it's all about content for them right now. They know that's where their heartland's been, whether it's a content or experience, whether it's physical in a park or whether it's Star Wars or Marvel or, uh, you know, the stuff they've done with Disney princesses, all those sort of things. If they know the business very well inside out and they know their customer and they know what they need to do. Are there any concerns with Amazon entering the retail space here in Australia? Is Country Road worried about Amazon? 
I wouldn't say we're worried. I, I saw um, a presentation from the customer experience person at Sainsbury's probably about three months back and got actually got asked the same question around the view on Amazon and what she said I agreed with, which is they've kept people on their toes, but it's not like Amazon uh, absolutely dominating that market. There's still four of pretty much everything, whether it's a department store, a, a supermarket. Some of the specialty retailers have actually thrived and grown in that time. So I think what Amazon actually provides us is a opportunity and make sure we're like we have done when you've seen with other international entrants and the, and the globalization of many industries. It keeps us all on our toes and that's what we're here to do. Um, how do you think about that interplay with online competing you know, competition continuing to grow, whether it's Amazon or other e uh, retailers first? I think that's probably one of the big questions. Future Lab, I've got this word called fidgetal. I don't know if you've heard of it. Very predominant in the fashion and apparel space, but also overall trends and stuff that's happening. And it's the combination of a physical and digital experience. I don't think anyone's truly got the answer right now, if I'm honest. That is a big focus for us as the interplay between online and stores. We do a lot of work that the, these two are in, already interconnected in to anyway, you know, we pick and collect out of stores, etc. So the interplay between them is only going to grow and how they interface is going to be very important. We're doing a great job in that space already. We don't see them as isolated channels, which is what's really mm. important. I know some businesses still do. Actually, it's the one customer. If we go back to the customer, it's the one customer experience. It's the one journey per se. There's many variants in it, but these two interact very often with each other and we're definitely seeing that happen. What's one resource that has been great for you to learn more about customer experience? One of my favorite all-time resources to make you think and stretch you um, is Simon Sinek. Um, mm. And, the, you know, both from a leadership and your own personal development, also then from an organizational development, your purpose and your why is really important because if you don't get that right, you start to go into lots of, you can get lost down doing lots of tricky stuff whether as i said earlier about digital solutions for some stuff yes you you want to do that but it's got to lather up to something if you don't have that and you're just chasing the latest in thing that you've read on a, a marketing email from a, a, a database of marketing societies or stuff like that that's where you can get lost and end up zigzagging chasing one social platform to the next to the next and without realizing a who's your customer and what's your brand purpose if you get those two right um, then you can start to work out what your strategies are to deliver the experience that you want for those guys and what, what technology is right for them because not all technology is right for all customers at the same time. So each generation is different. You've got to tailor to your customer base um, through your brand lens. Cole, thanks so much for coming on the show. Guys, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. That was a great interview with the Britsman. Yes, um, indeed. <laughs> I love the uh, the dulcet tones. We're getting some multiculturalism <laughs> on the show. <laughs> what was your takeaways from today's interview? There were two that really stand out for me. One was their loyalty program is a really big deal uh, for Country Road. And I think whatever it was, 80, 90% of their sales are linked to that. And yeah. when I've worked with a lot of other retailers, their loyalty program um, can often become the center of how they then run campaigns and so it starts with okay what do we want to make our campaign and i don't know it's buy one thing get the second one 50 percent, and then yep. they build a campaign around that and really the focus is pushing the loyalty program um, initiative and things are then driven around that what i quite like about 
the approach, um, which is what explains why they execute it so well, is that that's not how they start. They don't start with the loyalty program. They start with the customer. Um, and I loved his story with Mother's Day around this and bringing design team in, bringing brand team in, bringing you know store design, you know online, all of it comes together. And so they think, well, what is it that we want to execute for the customer that adds value, that's you know delightful, and then they wrap everything else around that. And so I thought starting with the customer as opposed to starting with the campaign, um, mm, you know, was, was yeah. a really really big takeaway. I mean, like, it makes so much sense, right? We, we talk about customer experience, customer centricity, but yet we still sometimes in marketing departments, we, we get stuck on this way of doing things going, okay, cool, the campaign is in this time period and we have a deadline right. here and, and we just think that way. So, yeah. All right. What was your second one? Because I, I, I want to um, I want to I riff on my uh, my takeaways. So, <laughs> sure, give me okay. a second one. I mean, the second one that I quite like was the, the way that they have... The, it's the first time I've seen the PR team take on internal comms and the fact that they really think deeply about their weekly newsletter and they really focus on sound bites and that shows that there's an investment in getting the internal comms to the same level in which they would have something go out to media. Um, And it makes so much sense because the guys uh, on the shop front or just even guys across HQ are bombarded with so much information. So what is the one or two things that you need the team to know? How are you going to make it stick? Um, How are you going to make it bite-sized? How are you going to maybe use different creative forms of that content? You know, I'm I'm, I'm assuming and thinking that they play with video and audio and different things. Um, And I I love that idea of, you know, investing and getting the internal comms right. You know, for them, you know, it's obviously not practically uh, possible for everyone to use a PR team uh, for that, but it just shows an investment in getting the internal comms right. And I thought that was excellent. It's so interesting that you bring that up because we've had quite a few guests on customer experience leaders actually talk about the importance of employee engagement, right. internal comms, and from different industries too, right? right? From tech to hospitality to all kinds of industries. So, yeah, yep. like the employee engagement is is really key. What do you have? Well, so, <laughs> I... I'm from a marketing background, right? Yes. So, I've worked in, in advertising agencies my whole career and I really loved when Cole referred to uh, this idea of we're the custodian of the brand, the customer owns it, we're just the custodian. Yes. I think that that is just so insightful because from a from a marketing theory standpoint, a brand is just this nebulous thing that exists in the mind of the customer. As right. marketers and as customer experience professionals, we think that a brand, you know, a logo, a color scheme, a typeface, those kinds of things are these assets. And so, really, a brand is just the sum total of um, all of the thoughts, feelings, associations, you know, positive or negative about a company which exists in the mind of a customer. So, the reason I wanted to bring this one up last was, you know, I, I had a feeling that you might have uh, some contention or, or some, <laughs> you might have some contentious things to throw back at this. Yeah, I mean, the thought that I had when he said it was, like, surely we're in control of our brand in terms of where we want to take it. Do we want the brand to just be completely up in the air? Shouldn't you have a view of this is what we're about? You know, this is the journey that we're going on. Would Coca-Cola or McDonald's or like some of these other great brands, would they view it that way? Maybe I'm reading into it a little differently, but the way I saw it was, you know, like customers will have their impressions and expectations and their opinions regardless of what we do, right? We can try and guide them. We can try and set up uh, our communications, um, our in-store experience, our digital touch points. We can set all of that up to try and communicate something, but customers will still react in, in the way that they want to based off not just their past experience with our brand, but also their past experience with every other brand that they've ever touched. And so, uh, we can't control what those expectations and feelings are completely. 
that makes sense, right? Because you could control your messaging or you could control your advertising, but it doesn't mean that that's necessarily the message that they take away. <laughs> they could be taking away something completely different. And so, therefore, they are there in, in charge of, like, their perception is reality because that is their perception. So, therefore, how they view the brand is what the brand is, is what we're effectively saying, right? If they're seeing that customers are taking the brand in a slightly different direction or if they're viewing Country Road, let's say, more youthful or, you know, maybe more sporty, do they just go, okay, well, everyone seems to be going that direction. So, that's now where our brand is. From a branding perspective, there has to be parity between what the company and what the brand, where they feel it's going, and what the customer also feels like it's going in that direction as well. Brands that actually have problems with their communications and and expectations of customers are when those two are misaligned. To summarize, Mike, what were your takeaways? Yeah, my first takeaway was starting with the customer, not necessarily the program. So, the loyalty initiative, I was starting with the customer. The second one was investing in internal comms. So, for them, it was using PR, um, but it is absolutely worth investing in internal comms. Yeah, and so mine was uh, was about understanding where your brand is going, uh, where you are now, and uh, and you have to be in sync and parity with uh, with the customer. If you're listening and, and have any feedback or thoughts on any of uh, of that discussion or banter that we just had, um, <laughs> we would love to hear from you. Send us an email. You can get me at adam at wavelength dot audio and me Michael at ratedapp.com. Thanks. Bye. Customer Experience Leaders is a co-production of Rate It, the market leader in on-the-spot customer feedback, and Wavelength, podcasting strategy and execution. This episode was produced by Nick Jones and me, Adam Jaffrey, and it was edited by Josh Armour from Armapod Productions. Thank you to Courtney Carmen and Jariah Lau for our beautiful artwork. Our theme music is by Icolics and Peter Cooley. If you like this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps a lot. Coming up next time on Customer Experience Leaders, we go behind the scenes of the real estate industry and we speak to the Managing Director of Rain and Horn in Neutral Bay. And we ask all the tough questions like, how do you stand out in the real estate industry when, I mean, let's be honest, your customers don't really like you. Let's look at it this way. You should be able to rely on the information that your property expert, your real estate agent is giving you. And if anything, if everything goes according to plan, there should be upside rather than there being downside. That's next time on Customer Experience Leaders. I'm Adam Jaffrey. Thank you so much for listening. We produce this show every fortnight. So we'll speak to you in two weeks time.